Four, three, two, one, people of the world. Hello and welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language. I happen to be your host. If you're not drinking tea, might I recommend you drink it? It's so good and good for you. Mmm, delicious poor tea from China. Today on the show, it's time to talk about prank culture on YouTube. My kiddos are always talking about pranks and uh, at a certain point, it gets a little bit gnarly, a little bit dangerous. Twitter announces paid super follows to let you charge for tweets. Twitter stock has gone up substantially, and uh, this may be one of the reasons why that from TheVerge.com. We've got BuzzFeed News coming at us with, it's time to talk about prank culture. Talked about that. Um, judge in Google case is disturbed that even incognito users are tracked. I am also disturbed. This from Stripes.com. In style.yahoo.com, top 10 entrepreneurs of 2021. Who are they and why are they? Let's start with Facebook considering facial recognition for its upcoming smart glasses. The glasses, they're going to look a lot like these glasses right here. They're not going to be these bulky, ridiculous glasses that many of you have seen, nor are they going to be VR Phones strapped to your head, which is also truly ridiculous. This from BuzzFeedNews.com. All links to all articles are right there in the description. Facebook Vice President Andrew Bosworth told employees that the company is evaluating the legal and privacy issues around facial recognition for its upcoming wearable gadget. It's going to take the world by storm. It looks precisely like the glasses that I'm wearing. Facebook is discussing building facial recognition into its upcoming smart glasses product and has been weighing the legal implications of the controversial technology, executive said at an internal meeting Thursday. Now, um, there are a million different reasons how this could go sideways. It could go pear-shaped. Um, if you have facial recognition turned on, let's say, by default, and there are a million ways creepers can uh, locate you, find you, find you in a crowd, this sort of nonsense. Um, there's a million different ways that uh, children would not be safe in this kind of environment. And let's always remember that the terms and service for Facebook and companies like this are always so convoluted and impossible to read that at the end of the day, Facebook would not be held liable for the crazy things that happen on Facebook. And yet uh, they would allow this technology now that I've been a Debbie Downer. Let's talk about how incredibly positive things could be with facial recognition. Let's say, for example, you are in a crowded uh, area and you cannot find your kid. You're looking everywhere. Your eyes like if you watch a GM Hikaru uh, eye tracker video, he's a chess superstar on YouTube and Twitch. You should check him out. He is pretty amazing. Um, you can see where his eyes are going, which is to say that if you're in a crowded space and you can't find your kid and you're looking around, looking around, looking around, uh, you may not be looking where your kid is, obviously. And all of a sudden the eye tracker facial recognition goes ping and it shows that they're right over there. Um, so that could be one of the positive pieces of facial recognition. Obviously, the other thing too um, would be that it would create a matrix-like infrastructure for incredibly specific ads, which is probably horrifying, but also really convenient. So say, for example, you're walking down the street and someone else has um, their glasses on. Well, now they know your location, right? And because they know your location, not only do they know it because the other person is looking at you, but they know it because of the device in your pocket has location settings on. 
Um, so you could, uh, with facial recognition, find friends in a certain space. They could be like, oh, bing, a little notification that's like, oh, you know that person. So you may not even be looking at them and all of a sudden it's giving you a notification that they are there. Back to the article, during a scheduled company-wide meeting, Andrew Bosworth, Facebook's vice president of augmented and virtual reality, told employees that the company is currently assessing whether or not it has the legal capacity to offer facial recognition on devices that are reportedly set to launch later this year. <gasps> Nothing had been decided, he said, and he noted that current state laws may make it impossible for Facebook to offer people the ability to search for others based on pictures of their face. So maybe you don't know someone by name and all of a sudden you're in Facebook and you're uploading a picture of their face in order to find them. This, of course, is great for detectives, terrible for women who are being stalked. Quote, face recognition might be the thorniest issue where the benefits are so clear and the risks are so clear. And we don't know where to balance those things, Bosworth said, in response to an employee question about whether people would be able to, quote, mark their faces as unsearchable. They obviously would have to do that. Uh, when smart glasses become a prevalent technology, the unnamed worker specifically highlighted fears about the potential for real-world harm, including stalkers. Bingo, precisely what I said. Um, if I were a woman um, and I had any sort of run-in uh, with someone following me or this sort of nonsense, I would be absolutely terrified. Shout out to Nicole coming to us from LinkedIn. Nicole Taylor Sharp. Good stuff. Opening up a can of worms. Sometimes it's referred to as a can of bees because a can of bees is a lot scarier than a can of worms. But I know what you mean. Back to the article Buzzfood, BuzzFeedNews.com. Following publication of this story, Bosworth wrote on Twitter that, quote, we've been open about our efforts to build augmented reality glasses and are still in the early stages. Face recognition is a hugely controversial topic and for good reason. Uh, etc. You get the idea. Nicole writes, a new market for deterrent technology just happened. Well, there you go. Someone is quite smart, and her name is Nicole Taylor Sharp, ladies and gentlemen. A new market for deterrent technology just happened. I would have to agree entirely with that because, again, um, if uh, you're looking at women that are trying to not be stocked, which is, let's face it, all of them um, there is just a, a market similar to, not what is it, um, identity theft. That's what I'm reminded of. I am reminded of identity theft, which was something that didn't really exist prior to, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. You understand the general idea. Um, so let's be positive for a minute. Augmented reality is going to be wish fulfillment at an unbelievable level. The issue with that is that just like my kids love going onto Minecraft and buying these worlds, it's addicting to have wish fulfillment that doesn't always allow you to get the wish without paying. This is the primary issue. So if you are, for example, in Minecraft, in creative mode, where you can do whatever blocks you want, you get whatever weapons you want, that's heaven for a six-year-old boy, right? For my son. And so, but now he's addicted. Because he's like, can we buy a new one? Can we do in this one? Can we do with that one? So it's limited wish fulfillment. Now let's bring that into the world of augmented reality where all of a sudden you're walking around and it's Tinder and you're a 20-year-old dude. And for only $29.99 per month, you can see all of the people that have liked you in a physical space. 
or uh, it will auto swipe the likes that you have. And all of a sudden you're getting all of these dopamine and serotonin, bing, 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 bing of matches and that sort of thing. It's so addicting that uh, you may find yourself just completely spiraling out of control. And so the primary lesson that I think the youngest generation, let's say like 20 and younger, uh, need to really harness is self-control. Self-control is the primary, uh, the primary focus, at least of my teaching to folks that are younger. I know I look like I'm not 36, but I am be 37 next month. So Facebook, considering facial recognition for its upcoming smart glasses, if you don't think smart glasses are going to absolutely explode onto the scene, then you and I are in disagreement. Um, They're going to be absolutely ubiquitous. And let's not forget that the phone itself is actually what powers the smart glasses, which is to say that forget this idea of strapping a phone to your head. That's ridiculous. It's phone in your pocket, Bluetooth to the Facebook branded artificial intelligence glasses, which again, look exactly like mine. And then all of a sudden, as you move throughout space and time, you can do filters to the world which is to say you are walking through an alleyway and you can have this gorgeous tapestry of like yin yangs and and just Chinese beautiful symbols and beautiful little birds. And you can have little birds tweeting in your ear and, and create this gorgeous utopia out of blank space. And this is what you really need to wrap your heads around as an advertiser because infinitely quickly Coke and Pepsi and Adidas and everything. They're all going to fly into that space and empty space is going to become incredibly valuable to advertisers. And so in modern metropolitan areas right now, it's so bright, but it won't be. You'll go into Times Square and there's just going to be a ton of blank surfaces everywhere because the augmented reality is exactly what people are going to be seeing. It's going to be customized. So Esther writing the minus 20s are not known for self-control. That's true, but none of us were. None of us were at that age. Uh, Avatar, yes, I like Avatar. And Caroline writes, think about being a teacher during this. That would obviously be very tricky business. So anyway, the revolution's coming. We're all going to have these glasses on in short order. Let us move on to our next story of the day. Twitter announces um, paid super follows to let you charge for tweets. This just seems like Tinder to me, honestly. It just seems like uh, Tinder. (laughs) Twitter announced a pair of big upcoming features today, the ability for users to charge their followers for access to additional content, this from TheVerge.com, and the ability to create and join groups based around specific interests. They're two of the more substantial changes to Twitter in a while, but they also fit snugly into models that have been popular and successful on other social platform. The payment feature called Super Follows will allow Twitter users to charge followers and give them access to extra content. Ugh. So everything costs $20 per month. It's ridiculous. This is just an extension of that particular world, which is to say that Twitter stock has almost doubled in the past few months because people believe that giving folks 
stuff they already had before. They had their audience, but you just reduce their audience slowly and you say, okay, well, if you want to have the same audience you did before, you have to pay now. Direct payment tools, according to the article, have become increasingly important for creators. In particular, in recent years, Patreon has been hugely successful and other platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, and even GitHub have all launched direct creator payment features. Twitter will presumably take a cut. The company has been hinting at subscription features that would offer it a new source of revenue, though it doesn't appear to have said yet what the fee will be. Okay, Twitter. They're going to have communities. They're going to have all this stuff. Whatever. Esther Sass writes, company liability is off the charts. Uh, Company liability for Facebook um, is off the charts in regards to augmented reality. It's time to talk about prank culture on YouTube. This from BuzzFeedNews.com. This week's newsletter is inevitably going to invite reactions from people who think I'm dampening their fun. I'm writing this newsletter to ask, are YouTube pranks fun and for whom? This from Tanya Chen. The stickiness of online pranks is something I've been thinking about for years while covering usually the worst versions of them. But this week, the issue became front and center after reporting on Joseph Seth Francois' accusation that David Dobrik's prank on him in 2017 was sexual assault. I won't rehash all the details, but the conflict centers on Seth coming to terms with David intentionally duping him into kissing someone without consent. The video had been viewed tens of millions of times and has had to, uh, and he has had to live with the trauma publicly. So this is the issue. It's one thing to have a prank that is insular, which is within your community. It is something else entirely to have a prank in front of tens of millions of people because that becomes your identity, especially if you're younger. So this sort of idea that, oh, I just need tens of millions of views and then I'll get sponsorships and I'll have merchandise and I'll do all this stuff and I'll be rich and be famous and everything be happy. First of all, let's remember that uh, members of the royal family, shout out to Lillian on this one, uh, many of them are miserable, right? So they are some of the richest people on planet Earth. They're literally princess, princesses and princes and they're not happy. So let's just keep that in mind. Um, and then you've got these kids that want that even adults, everybody, right? Well, not everybody, many people. So you get the 10 million views, but here's the thing. You get the 10 million views for this thing that is embarrassing. And then all of a sudden, everywhere you go, you are haunted by becoming literally an embodiment of whatever that moment was. And so there may have been countless other videos, countless other things in your life uh, that led up to that moment that were incredible, that were positive, that were fantastic. And then boom, you're known for this weird kissing video. And so my heart heart goes out to these people because it feels terrible. Um, So Seth, uh, I'm also aware of the accusation that Seth allegedly, quote, posted revenge porn against another vlog squad member, Aaron Gilfoy. I don't know these people. When I asked Seth to address the allegation, he denied posting any revenge porn, but said instead he had posted a video that highlighted Aaron confidently saying the N-word. I would also like to say there's space to talk about one person's victimhood as we also hold them accountable for their possible wrongdoings. Look, I am not in this world. I do not understand the nuances of what happened between these particular individuals. All I have to say on the matter of prank culture on YouTube is that my seven-year-old and my six-year-olds are constantly doing pranks in the house. They'll just do something silly and they'll be like, ha, 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 it's a prank. Kids love pranks. But there's a huge difference between a prank with 15 million views on YouTube and a prank that you and your friends kind of laugh about. That's hard enough, by the way. I don't know if you ever got pranked as a kid in your circle of friends 
And all of a sudden it's, it's just, you know, it's just really hard for you to deal with that. And then boom, uh, you get hit by a prank, you know, in modern times, Snapchat, TikTok, et cetera. Um, I mean, this can lead to really dire uh, and terrible consequences. Lillian writes, David in particular has a very disturbing history of sexually based shows and explicit videos involving clear and obvious children. Glad they deplatformed him. So clearly Lillian has more of an understanding about the nuances of this than I do. This comes as a surprise to absolutely no one as she is very very smart. Judge in Google case is disturbed that even incognito users are tracked. This from stripes.com. When Google users browse in incognito mode, just how hidden is their activity? The alphabet ink unit says activating the stealth mode in Chrome or private browsing in other browsers means the company won't remember your activity. When I go into incognito mode, I've heard that it doesn't really do anything, um, but I like to do it just for my own peace of mind. Not that I would ever look at anything online that was not PG. Um, at a hearing Thursday in San Jose, California, U.S. District Judge Lucy Coe said she's, quote, disturbed by Google's data collection practices. Sip your tea. Oh, it's delicious. As described in a class action lawsuit that says the company's private browsing promises is a, quote, ruse. Ouch. The suit seeks $5,000 in damages for each of the millions of people whose privacy has been compromised since June of 2016. Is it possible that a massive lawsuit could upend a company like Google? Well, uh, possible, yes. Probable, no. I, I feel like a lot of these lawsuits, because they butt up against the legal team at Google, simply fall away. They don't really have that, you know, they don't have, really have legs. But that being said, it's great PR for folks like us who are saying, hey, look, incognito mode should actually mean something. Again, stripes.com weighing Google's attempt to get the suit dismissed. Co said she finds it, quote, unusual that the company would make the, quote, extra effort of data collection if it doesn't use the information to build user profiles or targeted advertising. So this is the deal. If you're Google, remember, more than 90% of your revenue is coming from Google ads. I'm pretty sure that's an accurate figure. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, Nicole Taylor Sharp writes, color me not shocked. LOL. In fact, Nicole Taylor Sharp is correct in that assessment. Um, Google has every incentive on planet Earth to use all that data. And for you to be served an ad back, even if you're in incognito mode, makes a lot of sense for Google. Why would they not do that is a better question. If no one's going to hold their feet to the fire, why wouldn't they use that data? So Google has become a target antitrust complaints, a target of antitrust complaints in the last year filed by state and federal officials, as well as businesses accusing it of abusing its dominance in digital advertising and online search. Co has a deeper history with the company as a vocal critic of its privacy policies. She forced Google in one notable case to disclose its scanning of emails to build profiles and target advertising. Of course, they're going to look at every single bit of data they have, including email. Moving right along, we've got top 10 entrepreneurs of 2021, our final article of the day. Who are they? Number one, we have Elon Musk, hailed as one of the most influential entrepreneurs of all time. Musk has captivated the world's attention as a thought leader and change maker. We all know this. He was born in 1971, blah, 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 blah. I have heard recently that there is some sort of connection with emerald mines and the money that he is, his uh, parents and family made early. I don't really know um, all the nuances of that, but we all know Elon Musk. Let's look at number two, Syed Jafar, Jafari, 
or Master Jeff is an educator with more than two decades of experience as the founder and CEO of PSC Academy Inc. and Build Goal Inc. Master Jeff has served more than 100,000 students and developed over 5,000 coaches in 32 countries. Self-made millionaire. I don't know anything about this guy. Who is this dude? Now I'm really confused because we've got uh, Elon Musk at number one. Everybody knows Elon Musk. So now I need to go to this, uh, this academy and learn just a little bit more about this dude. So it's an unsecure website, which is very strange. And uh, I don't know. I'm not convinced based on what I'm seeing, but whatever. Apparently, he's a, a big deal. Number three, Zachary Sarf is the co-founder of Create Every Opportunity, Inc. and Flip Flop LLC. Flip Flop LLC was built when Zachary was just a sophomore in college. His first company proved to be successful, and because he wanted to do more in terms of social entrepreneurship, he then got the idea to start the Create Every Opportunity organization, which is an education organization that provides high schools, both public and private, with an after-school and hybrid learning program that gives students basic knowledge without, uh, excuse me, about starting, growing, and maintaining a business. Ooh, we need more of this. Here's my major gripe with um, the uh, education system in regards to finance and business. Kids don't leave high school understanding what reverse amortization on a loan is. This is what everyone needs to understand. When you get a loan, you pay all the interest up front. And then at the end of the loan, you're paying mostly principal. So if you do what most people do and you sell your home in three to five years, if the home didn't appreciate, you just paid interest and you basically rented. Um, things like this are obvious financial uh, pieces of the puzzle that people should know. People should know, uh, high school students should know what a CD is. They should know what an index fund is. Um, they should know uh, how much interest they can uh, be expected to pay. They should also look at a budget. They should have an actual budget and then they should align that with different jobs. So basically your counselor or whomever should sit down with you and say, okay, let's look at a teacher's salary and let's look at the benefits of that and the car you would drive, what you could afford and where you could live. Let's literally look at the houses and what they look like. Then let's look at another career. Let's look at an engineer. Let's look at a computer scientist. Let's look at a data scientist, a dentist, a doctor, a lawyer, you name it, an entrepreneur. Da, 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 da. Why does no one do this? Why does this fall on parents to do this? It's ridiculous. And so here we've got Zachary Sarf coming in and doing a uh, curriculum on maintaining a business. Love it. Number four, Daniel Rondberg, author, speaker, marketer, family man, and coach. People often wonder what Daniel Rondberg can't do. Entrepreneur has built a reputation for excelling in the financial services industry for over two decades. Currently based in Mesa, Arizona, he is helping people with his unparalleled financial strategies and education. I am seeing a pattern here. Are you not? I'm seeing Build Goal Inc. at number two, some social entrepreneurship and education organization at number three and number four. I think we're on the cusp of an incredible educational revolution in this country where the private sector finally realizes that they can do incredible work um, through incredible teaching and people are willing to pay for it. I think we're going to see an undermining of public education because this whole idea that you basically just need a babysitter for your kids so that you can go to work changes when a lot of the kids start working from home or uh, the sorry well they are kind of working from home aren't they um, when everyone tends to be in the house it's going to have a fundamental paradigm um 
paradigmal. This is not a word. Impact. Steve Huffman, number five, is a web developer and technology entrepreneur. He is best known as a CEO and founder of Reddit. There you go. A discussion and news website that currently ranks as one of the world's top 20 websites. If you are unfamiliar with Reddit, you should check it out. We're going to let this go. Thank you, article. Let's summarize for the day. Twitter announces paid super follows to let you charge for tweets is the second article. Let's start with Facebook is considering facial recognition for its upcoming smart glasses. Okay, world's going to change. If you're an advertiser, you definitely want to keep your eye on this one. Um, the uh, ability for you to advertise will never be the same. Um, if you're an early adopter, um, you can already sign up to um, be on the list for those. Twitter announces super paid follows. Ugh, I'm still not bullish on Twitter. I still think that they're just trying to wring a rag that's already dry, but call me crazy. Um, there may be communities and incredible things on Twitter that manifest that I am simply not the bullish on. It's time to talk about prank culture on YouTube. Yes, pranks aren't going anywhere, but now tens of millions of people are seeing them. And uh, judging Google cases disturbed that even incognito users are tracked. Well, of course, Google will do that. The only reason they'll stop doing that is because the law changes. And uh, top 10 entrepreneurs of 2021. Yeah, you got Musk, but uh, these other gentlemen, um, it's interesting to me because they are clearly education driven. Ladies and gentlemen, the show is live every single 1030 AM. Shout out to Nicole, leaving a lot of comments today. Lillian, Esther, Caroline, and friends. Much appreciated. Um, we are live, obviously, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the YouTube machine. You can uh, also see us after the fact on YouTube uh, or Spotify, iTunes, and a bunch of other podcast platforms. If anyone wants uh, a website, internet marketing, SEO, blogging, and all that jazz, just reach out to us, info, I-N-F-O, at senditrising.com. Uh, I have an incredible, incredible group of people that I work with, and I couldn't be happier about my team. Ladies, ladies, and gentle fans. Thanks for swinging by the show today. I will see you hopefully on Monday for the next exciting episode. And until then, have a wonderful Friday and weekend. Bye for now.